Hello and a very warm welcome to Consciousness Matters, a brand new series of podcasts in which you will hear clairvoyant, healer, teacher and beekeeper Peter Tad talking about his work. This series has been created as a means of offering support and inspiration to us as we rise to the challenges of incorporating our spiritual practice into our everyday lives in these interesting times. My name is Justine Hickman and I've been a student of Peter's for some years now. In this episode, Peter shares with us the story of an experience he had in 1994 with a blue rainbow and how that is intrinsically linked with events that are unfolding in the world today. We discuss portals, prophecies, Hopi dancers, crop circles and the ripening of some very big karmas. So please join us now as we venture back into matters of consciousness. Good morning, Justine. I'm very well, thank you. Um, and today I would like to continue with a couple of themes. One has to do with uh, the blue rainbow that we mentioned before. But in that context and in terms of the Clear Light of Truth podcast, the relationship or reality that you and I have to inner light. I want to start there today. Because I take it as a given. Even though I know, having worked with so many thousands of people, that many individuals assume when they close their eyes, there is no light, there is no one home as such. And this is really fundamental. Uh, it's what I'm hoping that people who are listening have had some experience of, that when you can find a place and a time to quiet your activities and be aware and use whatever meditation technique that you're drawn to, that within any of those moments, something might appear in the mind that we call luminous, the, the light of the mind. And just how important that experience is, mm -hmm. not in and of itself, but what that really implies. And putting that into a really big historical context. You know, it's so, so age old. It, it's kind of the story of the yogi, you know, versus the monastery. Um, you could see that with the monk in the monastery in the Christian tradition. They're very, very parallel. Um, I've just finished reading a book called The Rainbow Body and the Resurrection. And in this uh, very long, very academic, uh, drawn out, you know, 350 page book, the, the points being made are pretty much that, that 
even in the early Christian church, uh, there were certain, certain groups that really fostered the idea of experiencing the light of the soul and identifying with it. And then from that, even seeing how that part of being was the very being that was being worshipped as God, which was obviously seen as heresy in the context of what they're calling the sort of Hellenistic influences on mm. the church. And that basically has to do with organization that wants to maintain dominance um, and really demand subservience. And this is the very thing we're going through right now, this global situation um, regarding this COVID-19 and the responses to it and how each individual uh, engages with the situations that, you know, we're placed in highlights this to me. It, it, or it's, it's bringing this even to more of a focus. Mm. And and that <clears throat> really goes to this idea of liberation. So, I mean, how is it that anyone stands in their own sense of personal authority? And I have, in my own journey, felt that um, strength from this from a process of experiencing inner dimensions uh, of all kinds that you know you and I have talked about and how those inner dimensions are not just subjective or internal but that inner landscape that energetic reality exists in all forms of nature so that the very Yes, and the very substance of what we call consciousness, the very substance of Connects mind, all of us. is luminous. So I, I feel this is so uh, much, you know, this is step one. If we, if any of those who are listening can, okay. in a sense, confront that part of themselves and say, yes, I know that I have dreams that, you know, um, show me things. I've had all kinds of experiences that we move away from identifying with our biological life and identifying with something much more expansive, inclusive, integrated, um, almost musical. Uh, and that for me, has such a direct impact on any kind of stress or the kind of fears that obviously are um, coming up all the time now. And the struggle, and the struggle of the organizations that want to maintain structure. And so we need structure, we need organization. But within organization, there has to be a recognition of the role and the significance of the individual and that dynamic in society is something that is being played out. But for individuals to really be empowered, and this goes right back to the very heart of democracy and the establishment of that political system. It's one of the things that Socrates was very clear about and not very happy about, 
because he said um, the democratic uh, system only works if people are engaged, informed, and knowledgeable so they can make, you know, responsible decisions. He said, if anybody and anyone can make a decision on <laughs> uh, collective outcomes, then you are subject to demagoguery. And, and that's what is very evident now. And that proved out in Socrates' life, because Socrates was mm. accused of um, influencing the youth in a negative way and was put on trial, and there were 500 jurors, and 52% of them voted that he was guilty, and 48% said no. <laughs> so he really, <laughs> yes, I mean, he proved his point uh, in a way he probably How ironic. <laughs> thought that he would have to. And so then he, you know, drank the, the hemlock. Um, and so this is where we are, you know. We have this political stage that is so evidently, you know, askew. And we have these characters and we have the, the, the clear, you know, stories that are going on in the world as to how influence is being um, created. And so this is where what I hope that you and I can help the listeners with is create a kind of self-reliance, you know. And, and so that gets to the heart of what is the self. And that's where the internal experience of self um, is the starting point. The acceptance that there is a being that is, whether we call it a soul or a self, or a spirit um, that is part and part of our day-to-day -day engagement. And as we refine our senses to the spiritual energies, we just, how can I say that? Everything changes. We, we, we really do like a a judo flip on reality. Reality is no longer dictating to us from an objective place, but we find mm. ourselves being in, in the driver's seat, in the director's chair. So we've talked quite a lot about this over the series of podcasts that we've been making, but I know there's the Blue Rainbow that you want to bring out in these podcasts and move forward with. That's something that I assume you can see helping people to do that. 
Well, what we want to do is to acknowledge that within each of us is a future um, that's opening. And I see that as a blossoming part of the consciousness that lives in the heart chakra area. And this orientation of this chakra is upward. It's actually angled upward. So when we look at the cluster of three chakras in the chest, mm -hmm. the main heart chakra faces forward. And that's the feeling quality. That's the way we sense our relationship to others. It's a way we intuit. It's a kind of area of telepathy, of engaging in that way, a very sensitive way. Mm. <clears throat> the inner chamber of the heart chakra is a refuge. It's a inner temple. It's a place to go and establish a sense of depth, meaning uh, accessing wisdom and knowledge from previous teachings, whether they are in this life or other lifetimes. And then there's this third aspect of this heart chakra cluster that I have seen for, I don't know how many years, 20-some years. And it's blue and there's some silver tones to it, and it's more of a bud. It hasn't opened. It's beginning to open. And, and that chakra, to me, is our link to what I experience as the blue rainbow. So I, I'll, I'll share the blue rainbow experience that uh, my family witnessed and that I recorded back in, I think it was 1994, or maybe just a year before. We were camping on an Indian reservation in Arizona, and we had gone to the Hopi reservation a few times to go to the dances, and we met some of the elders. And on this occasion, we were camping on a small farm and the elder there was named Titus. Titus was in his mid-90s. Very frail, but of strong spirit, and had a lot of amazing stories to share with us. <laughs> that. And he lived, he lived in a, in a really simple way. I mean, he lived in a small shack, literally, that um, sufficed and uh, grew all his own food. And one morning, he suggested that I meditate on a small plateau just above where we were. And this, he said, was this ancestral burial ground, which to me was quite an honor. So I went up there and I sat down, faced the east, and began to meditate. And as I did, my eyes were still open and I noticed something on the horizon something was moving. It was a very bright, clear morning with some white clouds. And in the horizon, what I saw was a much darker blue color that began to go up, rising up as a band of energy or light. And I 
was very amazed. I'd never seen anything like it before. And I sat there in this meditative state watching this for a while. And I knew this was not a clairvoyant experience. I need to be very clear about that, that this was something that I could feel and see was physical, but definitely unusual. Mm. So I said, all right, I'm going to record this. So I came down off this small plateau and ran to where we were camping. And I had a Sony video camera and I videoed um, what then was an arc. So this blue force came up across the sky, dividing it in half, just like you would see a thermometer rising up. It just naturally went in this way and arced across the sky to the, to the west. The feeling I had with that was, this is an opening to something. And some years later, when my wife was making her film, we went back to this very place. Is definitely a, a vortex of energy there. It's something quite extraordinarily powerful. And I think it's why that happened where it did. So, <clears throat> I'm going to throw something out here. So, the earth is varied. Everything, you know, it's, it's not uniform. That's true with the magnetic field. It's true mm. with gravity. Um, it's true with the thickness of the crust of the earth. There's a lot of variation. There are also nodal points on the earth that have to do with ley lines crossing. And what was going on here at this particular reservation is uh, an opening, some kind of extraordinary interdimensional space. And so here we are as human beings, we're living our lives and we get to move into various places and experience them. It's very similar to what happens when we move through our own minds with the eyes closed and we're meditating. There are times that we're going to have extraordinary experiences and other times where very little happens because also the, the inner landscape is not uniform and flat and yeah. always going to be the same. That's really interesting. I've never really thought about Not it. Me like either. That. I just this is all coming out in this way. Yeah, and so that's just that's journey. just occurred to and you. So I love for that. Us <laughs> to really take that notion on that we're on a journey, and that in my life, what I've found is that the inner landscape and the outer landscape. They, they engage, they reflect each other. And this blue rainbow experience to me has to do with the crop circles that um, I began investigating in 1996, where I did see when I was standing in the middle of this crop circle in the south of England, I looked up and I saw 
what I thought was the moon, but actually was the earth. And I heard inside my head, this is the future earth. Now, this word gets to be hard to comprehend. And I have trouble comprehending this. But the future is not something that does not exist. We've talked about that in some of the podcasts. Reality is complete. And for reality to be whole and complete, yeah. the past, present, and future have to coexist. They just don't appear <laughs> at the same time. They coexist. The blue rainbow, to me, is an expression of our higher nature, our desire to live well and to live according to what we know is right and good. And this is not something that has to come down from above or out from below or from any external um, you know, source. qualities of the human being include these elements and there are obviously qualities in the human being that are aggressive that are have all kind of negative expressions and that's where the whole moral thing comes in but this is something that doesn't have to be imposed on us. This is something that we know inside of ourselves, whether, you know, we're doing the right thing or not. If, um, and, and it's our responsibility to cultivate ourselves on all aspects. But if we begin to do things in a good way, this allows us to get closer to our own sort of heart, mind. And in doing that, the light of the mind becomes more visible. And then we can use that experience to encourage us to, to do more good than bad, because it, it really is sort of a carrot on a stick. When I look at people's auras and I see that they're dark, cloudy, deranged, those are, it's not the aura, it's really the, this is kind of looking at somebody's face and seeing what their face tells you. You can tell what a person's been going through, how their life has been. And so the thing about the aura is that this is the mind. So if the actions that we take are dark and we darken our auras, then we actually obscure the light. That's the core of our being 
And so it's to undo that. It's to really lighten the mind. And this is done through what all religions really point to, you know, our various actions, but also in particular the ability to sit down and to quiet the body and the mind in order to receive that experience of light, that direct relationship with all. So the, the Blue Rainbow Project has to do with almost like a, a reaching out or an arcing, just like that Blue Rainbow I described. It's our own um, desire to reach and make contact mm. with the future in a direct way and invite that future into our moment of reality. Because this reality, like the landscapes that I talked about, nothing is, is firm, nothing is solid, nothing is fixed. And the more of us that can go into ourselves and make contact with a positive self in the future, almost like a future self, almost like a future incarnation, and we can imagine that, <laughs> Mm -hmm. um, allow our imagination to embrace beauty and clarity and balance and honesty as the ways that this future earth um, is self-organized. So when you say that past, present and future are all there, all together, that's not the same as saying that the future is preordained or fixed in any way. Yes, that's a really important point. It can only come from, you know, in individual encounters with the self. So I've had experiences that have to do with the future. And I've seen things ahead of time. And sometimes that's been an, an extraordinary detail. And sometimes it's been two weeks ahead. So sometimes it's been 10 years ahead. So the things that I've seen have come to pass. There are things that I thought would happen that didn't happen. And those to me may have come from a different part of my mind. So I can't actually say whether I saw them or I thought they might happen. Yeah. And and that's, you know, something that we all do. Yeah. But the the images that come to me that I know are futuristic have certain characteristics. They're very clear, they're very bright, they're very intense. And they don't have reference points. They just appear out of nowhere. Um, Where do you think those are coming from? Do you think that's something that um, is, is being shown to you for some reason? Well, yes. I mean, it's obvious that there's either part of myself or other beings 
who in cooperation with whatever this life journey is about, um, this, this downloads, but it, it only happens because I do cultivate my mind and I've done that for mm. half a century. Mm. Um, the experience I had where I had such an unexpected um, vision of President Donald Trump as a former king of France, mm -hmm. Louis XV, that came out of the blue. <laughs> I know can't say it's the blue rainbow, but that's the expression we use. Yeah. And there it was. And as I researched his life and what happened, he is literally moving in so many ways that are parallel to that life from the furniture that he's chosen in his grandiose, you know, lavish mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. personal accommodation to his inability to work with anybody else uh, politically and um, uh, having been really uh, the key person in French history to sow the seeds for what then became the French Revolution mm. under his grandson, Louis XVI. So the past coming into the present, which is also becoming part of our future, because many of the things that I saw, two, it was two years ago when I had that experience, mm -hmm. have come to pass now. So this is a really important question is, what is karma in that sense that it's going to come back? There's some causal relationship, and it, this causal relationship is going to have a result um, we can call that the weight of karma, or we can talk, call that the sort of ripening of karma, mm -hmm. and it comes into fruition. Yeah. And, and that's what I think is going on right now. I think that there are so many big karmas that are ripening, and um, that's true for each of us. And mm. I don't want the blue rainbow to be thought of as a kind of a skate valve, um, you know, some kind of a way out. And yet, it does remind me of the, the Hopi prophecy that they talk about that in these times we're in now, that there would be a crack in the wall of their ceremonial chamber called a kiva, and that they would be able to walk through that wall, through that crack into what they call the next world. This to me is not so much about a physical doorway, a physical portal. It's not like we're going to have to find ourselves, you know, at Stonehenge or someplace that's powerful in order to move into the next frequency. It is not the way to look at it. It's very much about a higher um, organized dimension. So we talked about that before, where there are these two networks, these two grids, one grid on the earth, where there are these mm -hmm. nodal points, and they have been recognized over thousands of years, and people have gathered there, buildings have been built, stones have been placed, ceremonies have happened there. And when that was the case, then there was a balance between the upper grid 
the sky grid and the earth grid and things were better. Um, so those are things that still make it an influence. But I believe what's going on now is something uh, of, a, of a different order. It's, a, it's of a more complex order in the sense that we're birthing a new reality. It's as if the earth is going through a process of cell division, not on a cellular level, but on a planetary level, and that our earth is going into a new phase, into a new earth, into a future earth. It's very much like a, a snake shedding its skin. And I think what we're experiencing now is a shedding of the skin, and that's all the turmoil. And there's going to be a lot of vulnerability, which is the case when a snake sheds its skin. It's very vulnerable for a while. We're all experiencing that. For, for me to be able to go into this future Earth, in my mind, right now, talking to you, everything settles in myself. I can feel it in my chest. I can feel my mind widening, clearing, centering, deepening. And I can feel that earth moving through me. I don't have to go find it. I don't have to uh, launch into it. It's already here. That sense of distance dissolves in the meditative state. And then that what does to my body, I start to feel my body begin to, um, like parts of it start to sparkle and scintillate. And I almost get the feeling of uh, my body doing what happens in Star Trek, where you get beamed up um, or beamed down. All of a sudden, this is the physical form does not weigh me down. Um, the, my body is, in, in a sense, a point of reference. And, and I did have an experience once when I was meditating on the Heart Sutra and I was chanting uh, this particular mantra and I had a very clear experience of my legs disappearing and I saw myself vanishing <laughs> from three-dimensional space, which totally freaked me out and I stopped and it's never happened again. I wish it would. <laughs> there you are. <laughs> You'd be ready for it next time. <laughs> In this life, I'm very, very fortunate. And what I include in that are, are experiences that are very extraordinary. And when they happen, they're, they, they really do shock me because I haven't had those experiences before. So, for example, when I went in that crop circle, one of the things I heard was mm -hmm. Native American drumming underneath that crop circle. Oh. 
the adjacent field to a very different formation there. I actually saw Hopi Indian maidens that were dressed in traditional costume that they don't have today. So I was looking at the past and my head was going through a lot. It was like, how can I be in England looking at people in another country from another time under my feet? that go way beyond just the fact that some crop is bent over in very intricate designs. There's a, a, a whole set of forces that are there that really tap into our conversation today about time. And so that the sense of time and place are, are not normal. They're very anormal. And that for some reason, whatever those crop circles were representing, um, they brought in those, those images. Now I know from people who are in contact with the Hopi uh, Indian Reservation that the particular crop circle I first went into with two crescent moons and two suns, when that was shown to some of the elders, they began to weep because they said, this is a sign we've been looking for because they had a prophecy that when the symbol of the sun and the moon appear in, at the same time, that that would be the beginning of a lot of changes on our planet. Uh, yes. They're not wrong about that. And that this is the moment we're in now. This is where it, we're in that time. And the other crop circle to me was very, it was like a paisley design made of many spirals and each circle was spiraling in the opposite direction. But there was like a teardrop in the middle of this overall paisley shape. But it somehow reminded me of the figure of the Hopi um, flute player called Coco Pelli. The reason I'm mentioning that is that I, there's so much happening in these formations. And that it's like any experience we have we're only uh, aware of a certain amount are either due to our attention our knowledge or the scope of our mind when i speak about clairvoyance i, I really don't want that to be um, pigeonholed as something that i can do clairvoyance is part of a, a much bigger experience it provides me with a lot of visual um, information and understanding. But understanding comes in other ways as well. And I just think it's part of the way that I move through time and space or the way time and space moves through me and through all of us. But by removing some of the veils, some of the, the, obs the what they call obscurations, literally what obscure the vision, obscure the view, obscure the mind's direct relationship with reality. And these can be considered programs, they can be considered traumas, they can be considered, you know, past life uh, 
karmas. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are all f- sorts of ways to analyze what these veils or obscurations are. But allowing those to disappear, allowing them uh, and to work doing things to help lift those veils, and that does require a certain amount of time and effort. We talked about this before, and when you talked in the early introductions into this series of podcasts, that what we're wanting to do is help people, encourage people with their spiritual practice. So it doesn't matter what the practice is. Mm. But practice really is sitting down, taking the time to allowing things to unwind, let certain ideas, let let go of certain concepts, open up to something deeper, allow spontaneity to come in, allow yourself to experience something, let the body move in a spontaneous way, the sitting down, or the going for a walk, but allowing the mind to release its uh, overthinking, let go of the news, let go of the last talk you had with someone, let go of what you have to do next and be in the environment you're in. Yeah. And then something can... Yeah. Which everybody struggles and, with. And then something yeah. can appear. So you've, you've developed a practice, a meditation around this blue rainbow that I know you're planning to put out there. Well, what I want to do uh, in the really recent <laughs> next few weeks for sure is to have a recent, the recent uh, future is to have some kind of a webinar where I can uh, explain a little more than I have today and to show diagrams of chakras and of these crop circles because that particular crop circle I went into has all to do with how I see chakras, particularly the three of the chakras in the forehead. Um, And the most important of those being between the eyebrows, the Ajna chakra, and how that is um, a key here. And so that's what I really want to offer uh, our listeners is a way for them to bring their attention to that point in themselves when they do their practice. Thank you so much for sharing this today. It's been really fascinating. Um, I'm sure people will have questions and want to know more about this. So um, I look forward to um, sharing some more. Thanks, Justine. And thanks to everyone who's listening. And um, until next time. Thanks. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Consciousness Matters. We do hope that you've enjoyed this podcast. If you have any questions that you would like to ask Peter about any of the material covered in this podcast, you can email him on ptad at mac.com or message him via Facebook or 
find his website, petertad.com. If you're interested in joining the Infinite Possibilities meditation group, they also have a page on Facebook. If you've enjoyed the Consciousness Matters music and would like to hear more, or attend one of the Blue Concerts music for meditation, you can go to susiehodderwilliams.com or jerrycroziercole.com or follow at Blue Concerts on Twitter. Thank you again for joining us. Please do rate, subscribe and join us again. <laughs>